When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? Well, as a loyal listener of this show, we'd like to reward you uh, for listening to our show. Uh, And we're going to start doing it now with free beer, as my previous sentence implied. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com. That's beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers and it's not just a sip you get the whole thing because there's no point in opening it if you're just gonna have a sip and then throw it away so it's eight eight free exclusive craft beers from all around the world all you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash west ham and cover just 4.95 for the postage and what's more stop hammer time listeners get two beers free so that's a total of 10 free beers with just the postage uh, so B52, uh, who are they, you're asking? Beer52.com forward slash West Ham. They are pioneers traversing the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. So no surprise then that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer52, Beer52, deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany. Korea. These are names of countries. Germany, Korea, Norway. Not themes in a way, they're they're names of countries. Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa. That's not a California, is not a country. California is a state. So Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, the state of California, Finland, and many, many more countries and states. But not states of mind or states of well being, states like um, Arizona. But not Arizona, California. Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, ah, so their roots are in the UK. Beer 5.2 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The UK craft beers, like like UK garage. But not as violent. The beauty of Beer 5.2 is that they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in and you can leave any time. Your first box will be sent to you next day. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment. Which is a play on words, Jim, isn't it? Jim, you're... Um 
Yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. good. It's oh, play on words. Yeah. Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive and a cheeky... Oh, Jim's here, by the way. Uh, you'll receive and a cheeky snack is thrown in just to top it all off. You don't like dark beers? Well, choose the light plan. Easy. Go to beer52.com forward slash West Ham to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, customers get an extra two unmissable beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash West Ham. I thank you. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Moy's out. We've given him enough time, says Jim Grant. I disagree. I think he deserves more of a, a run before we uh, uh, give him the chop. Uh, we'll talk about that during the show. Um, uh, uh, we'll talk about the Sheffield United game, which was uh, played um, uh, last week. <laughs> and I don't, don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm saying it wasn't played next week. No, yeah. no, I don't know. I don't know why I'm specifying when games were played. I think it's just. I think it's just worth accepting that they were played and move on. We don't have to get into uh, to and fro about when the game was played. It seems uh, pointless. Something that VAR could sort out would be when the game was played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because could, then I think yeah. that would go to yeah. um, that headquarters that they go to, uh, in the name of which I can't remember, and they would decide they whether would or not... they would be able to confirm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether the game was played or not. Yeah. Schrodinger's game of football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they'd sort that out. So, um, hooray for VAR, I say. Joining us, myself and Jim, who, uh, who you've already uh, discerned is here with me. Yeah, good evening. Uh, again, VAR will confirm that Jim was here. Uh, <laughs> is author of the greatest blog on the subject of West Ham United that there has ever been in the history of football writing. That blog is, of course, The H List, and its author is here. He is James Cairns. Hello, Phil. Thank you for Hello, James. Me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I've waived my usual fee. In, 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 <laughs> of course. In order to shout down Jim's ridiculous calls for boys yes, to be fired. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick of it. Jim's already. out of control. <laughs> out of control. So, uh, we played uh, Sheffield United, uh, our now sworn enemies, uh, yeah. at the weekend. Um, what did you make of it? Well, there was a bit of a kind of uh, online meltdown about it, as there quite often is whenever the team loses these days. But um, uh, obviously, there were there were particular aspects to the game that that, that incurred the wrath of, uh, of fans. Some of them, um, I think, more justifiable than others. Um, for me, the game turned on the, on the injury to Fabianski, to Fabianski um, and the fifteen fact minutes we, in uh, the think. fact that we don't have uh, haven't we have started this season without an adequate uh, number two keeper. Um, it could well be in the final analysis, um, because it's going to be tight, I suspect, at the bottom. It could well be in the final analysis that that, that decision to go into the season with Roberto and Martin as number two and three uh, will get us relegated. It, 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 you know, that's, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that serious. Um, and now we have an injured <laughs> number two <laughs> signed yes. today. Yes. So um, I felt... I don't know about you, James, but I, I felt that actually the first half performance wasn't half bad, um, and that um, we, uh, you know, Sheffield United probably weren't quite um, at the races themselves. It was a pretty dull game of football, but their tactic of kind of really squeezing space in areas of the pitch and pressing in sort of gangs of kind of kind of four mm. um was something that i felt we we were prepared for yeah. and we were passing in little tight 
tight triangles and often getting out of that press and spreading the ball wide. And, and, and Halaire and Anderson at various times found a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And we created a couple of couple of uh, one very good chance for Anderson. And a couple of, and you know, I would say for the last quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, that first half, we started to control the game. We frustrated them. We shut their crowd up. Um, uh, you know, if it was like a kind of European tie, you'd say, you know, good. We've kept the mm-hmm. kept the crowd yeah. quiet. We created one or two chances. And I felt it was you know, set up for us to go on and and at least get get something out of the game, if not win it. Um, but that injury to Fabianski led to. A catastrophic error. We gifted them a goal, and that got their tails up. And it was very difficult for us to get back into the into the game after that. Really, um, so I, you know, and then you know the injustice at, at the end. And I think it was an injustice, whichever mm. way you want to look at it. I mean, you can argue about the the, the um, you know whether or not the the decision was interpreted correctly according to the somewhat confusing, contradictory, and complex wording of the handball law now. Well, let's, uh, let's come on to VAR, yeah, um, yeah. because we'll probably come over there anyway, in a section. Mine. I mean, it was a sort of, you know, it's a way at Sheffield United, and, and uh, you know, this, is, this does fall into uh, an area in which a lot of people say that those are the teams we should be beating. But, I mean, Sheffield United have got their tails up, coming, you know, after their promotion, and uh, I think that will win put them fifth. So, away mm. at Sheffield United, I mean, it, you know, we did lose that game, but... Very unfairly, and we played very well in it, and it's I a shame we didn't win it. I think we deserve to win. I, I will say I thought that probably, you know, a draw... Yeah, we didn't play the well. Most, in the second yeah. half, we didn't play well. But, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was a great performance, but I agree with Jim in the sense <laughs> that I did see some green shoots of something. And I think you have to bear in mind, Sheffield United are a very well-coached team who've been together for a very long time, mm. um, come up through the divisions together, and I thought they sort of looked like they knew what they were doing. They all kind of had an understanding of their role. Yeah, Moyes has been there 10 days or whatever. Yeah. And very similar to the situation that he arrived in before. It's going to take some time, I suspect, before um, he's able to get the players doing exactly what he wants them to do. But I did see some sort of evidence of um, structure to the play. Yeah. I think that he set up to match them with the three at the back, which Pellegrini never would have done. I think that sort of no, no, displays a bit not. more tactical flexibility yeah. than Moyes is given credit for. I wondered about the fact that he, he, had, he, he kind of went back to the three as more or less as it was in his first uh, yes. time at the club. Yeah. Cresswell with Bonner as the focal yeah. point and Cresswell on the left and obviously Balbuena rather than Rice on the right. Um, and the, but the three against Gillingham was um, Babuena in the middle and uh, Ogbonna left and Diop on the right. And I wonder whether... I mean, I worried, looking at the lineup. I worried about our right-hand side. And I think, it, it, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a problem, our right-hand side. Yeah. Lack of pace. Well, Zabalera as uh, a wing-back you know, is, 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 is stru- <clears> Well, his, his attacking instincts are quite, are quite good in some respects, but he just can't get up and down. Yeah, like no. he yeah. Fredericks is... Um, physical abilities are so much more well, yeah, this point. for sure yeah. um, I think he plays Cresswell as part of the three because I think you need one of your back three to be able to distribute the ball Yeah, and yeah. I think you know the, the way that you set up with the three nowadays particularly is they come very deep and pick the ball up off the keeper invite teams onto them with the view that you play through that press and then you have space to run onto and we do have very good players on the counter yeah. Lanzini is very sort of press resistant because he's very hard to get the ball off, which I suspect is why they played him on Friday. We were saying before I think we thought... Part, I, think, was I think they felt they're going to have to do a lot of passing in tight mm. areas. Yep. Yep. And he's good at that. And he and Anderson... I thought Anderson 
had a decent, really decent first half. I thought he played well in the first half and, and didn't have a bad game overall. But he's now turning into someone that fans kind of online fans especially kind of target yeah. i think well i mean i you know i think he i think um, he was going nowhere and now Moyes has arrived and might give him a little bit of direction i mean you know obviously it was great that he scored in Moyes's first game mm. but i think you know if Moyes is going to come in and just you know run a rule over these players it's not going to escape Moyes. The, the, the Anderson is very talented, but uh, but I but I think one of Moyes' best sort of abilities is identifying players who could be used in a different way than they currently are. Yeah, think about Arnautovic. I mean, the, the pivotal moment of Arnautovic's West Ham career was Moyes switching him to playing up front. Yeah. Him. changed him completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the, the decision to put Cresswell as a left-sided yeah. defender last yeah. time worked very well, and he looks to have identified that Anderson as a wide player, is a bit peripheral. Yeah. You know, I think part of the problem actually is the way the squad is constructed, the 3-4-3 makes certain of them, like where would you play Antonio in that that system? I don't really know. Snodgrass, who I thought changed the game actually when he came on on Friday, I don't quite know where he plays in that system. But yeah, in the end, he's, but got, he's, he's just got to get he's us out, out of trouble, isn't He's he? our versatile squad man, isn't uh, yeah, he? Agreed, he? He'll agreed. come in. He, he shouldn't be starting on a regular basis, ideally, I don't think. But um, he's a very handy man to have on the bench. Yep. He sets a tempo. He's competent. Your set-piece delivery improves the instant he's on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Those three kicks that he was whipping in from deep were really excellent balls in, yeah. weren't they? And Hale the corners are better. better. Yeah. You know, Lanzini kind of floats them into the goalkeeper's arm. It's like, you know, in the same way Noble used to. If you remember Noble you know, corners, how depressing yeah. it was when Noble used to take out corners. Terrible corners. <sighs> um, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think that, I think that the... Uh, you know, Watford have had their, or are having their sort of revival. Southampton are having theirs. One hopes that we will have ours at some point. Uh, and possibly the fact that if we, if we can sort of be, you know, keep a couple of points or a point above the sort of bottom three, when our revival comes uh, and well, when we start yeah. to sort of click, um, it'll help us to pull away because we'll already be a little bit clear of the bottom. I mean, it, the fixture list is difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it will mm. have to come at home. Yeah. yeah, the away fixtures look frightening. We play all of pretty much all of the top six away. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Between now and the end of the season, which actually is sort of depressingly close. <laughs> yeah. um, but we ha- we play all of the teams at the bottom pretty much at home. Yeah, so um, that's yeah. We we're to going to points. need to pick up some points if possible against some of the bigger teams, or at least have morale boosting performances. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, we, if we keep getting badly turned over or going three nil down in twenty minutes, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to ha- be soul sapping mm-hmm. for them. I think. Um, you know, so I think Moyes, it's not just about necessarily, it's a, obviously it has to be about picking up points, but it's not just about that. It's also about in those games where you, you think, well, okay, we're not expecting to get anything out of Man City away, Liverpool away, whatever. But at least if we can be competitive, give them a little bit, you know, you know, score the odd goal, just not get completely, you know, wiped yeah. off the face yeah, of the yeah. earth that will make a difference as well. It's that kind of confidence that you then take into other games. Um, 
So I think that's important. I think the Moyes um, performance away at Man City kept when he was manager previously and we lost 2-1, but we were 1-0 yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. defended really well, very stoutly, very organised, was actually the first time I looked at him and thought, yeah, you know, this guy seems to have a plan yeah. and the players seem to have bought into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I agree with him. Yeah. We played Liverpool twice yeah. in like four games or something at the yeah. end of this month. Yeah. Um, you know, a good performance in one of those two games yeah. not even I mean no one beats Liverpool right so no. just keeping it close anything, yeah, anything, would be pretty yeah, good yeah you know um, then, then there's three London derbies in a row um, away at Spurs and Arsenal I mean, well mm. Arsenal away is not the terrifying prospect it no. once Neither was Spurs, we should have beaten no. them at home no. we were first half we were much the better side they're, 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 not much has changed with the change of manager I don't think um, Chelsea we've already beaten yeah, um, got them at home. Um, they're they're vulnerable. I mean, it'll, they're also you know could turn you over as well. So I think those games could easily be quite close, competitive games. There's the memory of beating Spurs at, uh, at, at their Rubber stadium. Place, yeah. mm-hmm. So uh, London derbies are always going to be they, those could easily be tight games. Yeah. So you mm. never know. You never know. We often pick up points in unexpected places. Uh, and then go and lose the games where you think, oh, well, this is where we, we, you know, we really should win. So mm. against the Blades, we, um, we were less good in the second half. Uh, we, uh, yeah, after we the conceded. Goal, the goal knocked the stuffing out fell of us apart a bit. A bit. We yeah. fell apart. But we did, um, we did score a goal in the closing minutes of the game. And this, was a, uh, this is a VAR story. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were close to scoring two, in fact, cause, because um, we had one ruled out correctly as it happens for for offside but it was close it was mm. tight you know and and, uh, and he also got in legitimately around the back with a he header better, that he yeah. possibly should have done better i mean he did that thing that everyone says head it down but he headed it so down mm. it yeah. also went over the bar yeah um and but, lanzini you know when the defender yeah, fell over he had, yeah, he, yeah they made yeah. a similar kind of ricket at the back and yeah lanzini could have but they what happens was they closed down that space behind him so well they yeah. worked so hard you know, they definitely raised their game after they scored. Yeah. They? And their crowd yeah. got behind them. So it was, you know... Um, yeah, the VAR decision, well, you know, there's lots of sort of arguing about it. They, they, they have changed the handball law so that um, any handball, I think the wording of it is in the scoring or the creating of a goal, mm. whether accidental or not, is now going to lead to the goal being disallowed. And I think there are there are so many problems with that you know where do you begin the first thing you begin is that what you've done there is you've created a handball law in which something that is handball in one part of the pitch is not handball in another part and i think if you fiddle with the laws of a game to that extent you're running into trouble i mean it should be consistent shouldn't it i mean you know a foul should be a foul wherever wherever it is on the pitch. Handball is handball. We all grew up as schoolboys playing, and I, you know, refereed junior leagues and so on, uh, knowing that the handball was was deliberate. It was, it was deliberate, so it had to be ball to hand. Mm. Uh, uh, sorry, not hand ball to, to hand, ball. but hand yeah. to ball was as as and it, you know, so it had to be an action, a deliberate action on the part of the player uh, to um, and and. Players putting their hands up in front of their face to stop them getting hurt was not seen as no, no, hands to ball in that way because it's an instinctive no, no. thing that you do. I mean, I'm still smarting from, from the uh, Crystal Palace Declan Rice uh, handball that, go, that gave them a penalty because it, you know, it was so close and, and mm. he. He jumps, and uh, if the ball doesn't hit his hands, it just hits his body yeah. anyway. He's just in yeah. the way of the ball, the fact that it hits his hand. And, I mean, that's a little bit what I thought about that 
um, the Rice, the defender fails to clear the ball by kicking it against Rice's body. Yeah. And it just happens to be his hand and Rice's momentum yeah. keeps the ball going. And that's a sort of failure of defence rather than yeah. Rice somehow seen, sort of cynically gaining an advantage yeah. by handling the ball. I mean, I don't yeah. think anybody particularly thinks that when you look at the rule being implemented in that particular situation that it's given a good outcome. I mean, even I don't think Sheffield United fans would look at that no. and think that goal should have been disallowed. No. But, you know, I suspect the rule will change, but it doesn't help us, you know. Yeah. And, and as Jim but said, the, you know, that could be the difference uh, between uh, promotion uh, the, or you know, staying up yeah, and I mean, the law has become an ass in, that, in, that, yes. in the sense that it also says, in a contradictory way, that, oh, there is such a thing as accidental, you know, ricochets and balls being headed from very close range against players they can't help so they won't be penalized so the one sense is it won't be penalized that mm. kind of incident where so if that had happened in any other part of the pitch in any other circumstances yeah. there wouldn't even have been a video review of it because it would have been fine um the fact that a goal came at the end of it now how far back do you take the offence yeah. in terms of the creation? Well, what is that? I think that wording was intended to mean nobody should punch the ball into the goal or bounce off their hand into the goal or the assist shouldn't be by someone's, you know, inadvertently or, or deliberately by someone's arm. Uh, the ball was headed from no yards against uh, Declan Rice's arm, which happened to be where it was simply because you use your the arms when running. you're running. Um, it then kind of bobbled around a bit. He got control of it. So he didn't use his hand to get control of the ball. Um, and then beat two players yeah. and slotted in a pass, which was beautifully finished for, uh, from an onside position by Snodgrass. Yeah. Well, I don't think that... Arguably, that means that the goal wasn't created by an inadvertent use of the hand. It's a really... That's open to interpretation, isn't it? How far back do you go? Yeah, yeah. And I think absolutely. part of the problem... The, the bigger problem I have with VAR, actually, is the inconsistency of its application. So the Van Dyke one is the one that lots of West Ham fans are pointing to the day yeah. after. So I yeah. can't recall who it was against. It might have been Wolves. But yeah. he clearly handled the ball, then played a, a long ball, which was the assist to, yes. I think, Firmino or Mane, who yeah. scored. Yeah. And the, the actual official reason that it was given the following day for why it was allowed was it was too far back yeah, to, to yeah, be yeah. considered right. to impact so, on the goal. Exactly. But he you know, brought the ball down with his hand and then played a through ball. Yeah. So that inconsistency is the thing that annoys me more. And actually, I would, would have, before this season, broadly described myself as a, as a, um, a supporter of VAR. I felt that bringing in this in as a kind of neutral decision maker would actually be very good for teams like West Ham because you wouldn't end up with different applications of the rules between big teams and small <laughs> teams. But actually what we're all sort of fans of any club are now saying is, well, it'll just even itself out at the end of the season. Well, we were saying that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the, so is, there's no difference. We're, the we're not is, in a yeah, better look, position. An, an officious twat with a whistle or with a flag uh, is still yeah. an officious twat if you give him a computer. And actually, you're giving him more tools with which to be an officious twat. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are all kinds of problems with it that I think are a real shame because I'm, I'm with you. I, I just don't think you can hold back the tide. You can't be Canute. You can't hold back the tide of technology with this endless analysis of replays. Most fans, probably if you ask them, wanted some form of, yes, yeah, of, of evening yeah. up of the situation. We didn't want like the goal we conceded last season against uh, Liverpool at home where Milner was probably three yeah, yards yeah, offside yeah. when the ball was made. You know, uh, that was the kind of mistake it was supposed to correct. Big, obvious, glaring errors. 
And um, now they've got so... They're enjoying the toy, boys with toys, so much that this kind of, you know, for example, the lines across the pitch that they draw for the offside decisions, yeah. which are questionable in their accuracy in terms of the kind of fine, in terms of how much a frame, you know, what, yes, what, what yeah, yeah, fraction yeah, of a second yeah. of frame is and the exact point that a ball is playing. If they're going to say someone's big toe or someone's shoulder or whatever is offside, you know, essentially, if you think of it about sports where it's settled in and is starting to be used more successfully, take LBW in cricket, they realised at some point that actually um, uh, Hawkeye's not always absolutely right with, with a ball hitting the stumps. So they brought in this umpire's cool thing. So if, if, if um, you know, the ball is, 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 is bowled and it's just clipping the stumps, they call that umpire's call. Cool. So, yeah. so you know, that could be out or not out, depending on what, what the original decision was. And it seems to me that if I'm a linesman... And I'm working with the offside law, which is which is kind of level is onside. And I uh, I I don't flag for a goal where the where maybe an inch of a person's body is offside. I've made the correct decision, to be honest. Yes. I haven't made yeah. a mistake, yeah. and you shouldn't go interfering with that. If I if I if I get it wrong and the guy's two or three yards offside, and I had I didn't flag, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, if you're um, talking about microns of thickness, well, ridiculous. then level will never ever happen again. Yes, yeah. you know, well, no they'll have to change the law because yeah, of it. That's they will where have it will to. get to. I mean, and I that's suppose the one where it will go. And what I would say, I think I would agree with all of that. And I think that the difference, perhaps, between football and sports like cricket or baseball, which brought in um, review very recently, is um, that those are definitive yes or no decisions which are being made. You yeah. know, was. Uh, you know, did that ball get edged or yeah. whatever? You know, and when we were before this, we were talking about um, the decision at Southampton when I felt there was a very clear instance where the two West Ham players yeah. were fouled in the same mm. move, um, and that got referred to VAR, and they didn't give a penalty. So at that point, I was like, well, there is no point no, in this because absolutely. if you're going to refer something like that, which is very clear and obvious to me, um, and not give it then that's ludicrous. And, yeah. But then when, when we spoke about it, you said, well, actually, I sort of, th- sort of could see that it, why it wasn't given. So the problem, I think, therefore, is it, it's an interpretation of the rules, whereas actually those sports, which, by the way, had a lot of problems when they brought uh, yeah, video reviewing. Cricket, when they in the first couple of years, they were problems. going crazy. Baseball yeah. was a massive problem. But what, what I think, well, I've got there are, uh, two points, really. The first one is to do with who's in control of the system. Um, yeah. I think those penalty ones that you're referring to, you know, uh, in a sense, the idea that has the referee made a glaring, glaring error? Um, uh, it, uh, all of those were messy. And the noble one that was given, which went the other yeah. way. Which I thought should not have been yeah, a penalty. It, yeah. It was, yeah. In each case, the VAR looked at it and said, the referee's given a penalty for this. Have I got a reason to turn that around? Have I got a reason to say? And that's very similar to the cricket soft signal on the field. Mm-hmm. So when somebody is kind of just have they caught it or have they caught it on half volley yeah difficult to tell what the umpire says to the video referees look well we think it's probably out but can you check it please or when the rugby uh, referee says to the video referee look i think it's a try but can you just check that the yes, ball was yeah. grounded so i'm in charge as the official so the referee's given a penalty is there enough reason to turn it over has he clearly died or whatever in the case of noble well no 
the referee's not given a penalty in the case yeah. of the other two. Is it really clear cut or is it a bit messy? Maybe the answer is, well, no, stick with the on field decision. I would, I would be happy with that as a kind of principle on which. Um, but maybe if which you could hear turns. the discussions like you can in cricket. Exactly. Make it, make it, yeah, make it clear and make the official. And the other thing, of course, that those other sports have is they allow a coach's challenge. So a very good example of how that might work, where VAR can objectively make a decision, would be the Liverpool goal against uh, Tottenham, which came from what a, a mistaken uh, throwing call. It was clearly a Spurs throw. Mm. The ball came last off the Liverpool player. Um, uh, the, uh, in that case, that the Mourinho could have, if you had that rule in, like in American football, the coach could throw down the red flag and say, we want that looked at because we yeah. don't think... And it's clear. There's no, it's not open to interpretation. It's absolutely yeah. clear. So you'd say, no goal, back to the... And I think that would be correcting errors. That would be actually stopping uh, injustices taking place. Fiddling and faddling around with whether or not a linesman has missed an offside by an inch is not doing that. It's, it's, it's just messing about with it. And the other thing I would say... Sorry to, to dominate the conversation a bit, but the other thing I would say is... Um, that goal disallowed Snoggers. When you think of the significance of that, that's, that could potentially be cost, cost a football club millions and millions and millions. Yeah. It, it, most of the, the, the sports where a video refereeing and umpiring works effectively, um, there are lots and lots of those decisions to be made. There are very, very few of those decisions are individually in themselves game change, completely game changing decisions they can be very very important but in a cricket in a test match there's 20 there's well 20 wickets 40 over wickets five, 40 to fall over, over days, the whole yeah, thing yeah. um in a in a in a in a in a tennis match there are any number of serves and points to be won goals are rare yeah. so proportionately if you rule out or allow a goal you're making a bigger impact on the course of a game than you might be, even in rugby, you know, more tries are scored than goals are scored. Yeah. Also, football. something you said earlier, Jim, is that, um, you know, uh, a lot of sports in which v, uh, a type of VAR is used are stop-start sports. Yes, they are. And football yeah. is not a stop-start no. sport. It's a kind of continuous flowing sport that, yeah. uh, uh, the you know, the more it stops due to VAR, the more it actually kind of ruins the game, yes. the more it ruins the spectacle. I think it will mature. I mean, if you remember when they brought in the touchline technologies, remember there was in, it was a World yeah. Cup, I think, was the first time everyone sort of saw it. And there were problems with that. And now it's just a seamlessly integrated part. You know, nobody bats an eyelid, really. No one yeah. ever says, well, that didn't yeah. cross the line or it didn't. But if you remember, there were controversies about that sort of stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's no doubt in my mind that it has a place. I actually think a, 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 a development that football should really think about is, is changing the way we measure time in the games. Yes. You know, yeah. 60 minutes of the ball being in play... And that's how you measure time for a football game. And every time the ball goes out, the, the, um, the clock time, stops. the clock stops. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you know, yeah. that would have a much more significant yeah. impact. You would get 15 minutes more play, because on average at the moment you get about 46, 47 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it would stop time wasting. Oh, I think it would end would be, Tony Pulis's career. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that, that, that has been crying out to be a decision. Yeah. We have the technology to do that. And that's one thing that it would make sense as a responsibility to take away from the referee. Yes. Yeah, he could, he's responsible for saying when the, when the clock is on and off, perhaps when an injury happens, so yeah. you know, stop the stop the clock. Um, but, uh, you know, in most other top sports, the timekeeping is taken out of the hands mm. of the, of the referee. Well, you know, it's, it's something he doesn't need to be worrying about really. Yeah. The clock should sort it, should be operating. It can be done by someone who's Absolutely. not on the pitch. Yeah. You know, and if, uh, um, you know, and you can also, because the clock is constant on a, on a screen, 
you know, if, if, it, if it does run on when it shouldn't run on, you can wind it back. They do that in American football. Yeah, yeah, Start yeah. the clock at this point. Absolutely. You know? And uh, I think that would be, yeah, much, much better. Then we wouldn't have all this ridiculous, you know, Fergie time that we used to yeah, have and, yeah. and all this kind of arguing about injuries and whether, how long they should yeah, be, yeah, you know. Completely. I think one real problem is that football is run by stupid people, stupid, <laughs> yeah, greedy think, people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, that's reflected in how VAR is used. There's nothing wrong with the technology. It takes a video of the event and shows you what happened. However, the interpretation of those events... Um, more or less, because it's a, because it's a kind of a, a subjective event that we then go, we'll look at it empirically on this video, but then it's viewed subjectively. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so you might as well make the whole thing subjective and not yeah. have it. But also, the problem is that, you know, when uh, the Premier League started in football, it became very popular after Gaza's tears. There was a, seemed to be a sort of move um, or an initiative to get referees to, you know, referee games better. And a lot of that involved um, stopping things like a bit of fisticuffs between two young testosterone-filled <laughs> men in their early 20s. And... Uh, Unfortunately, sort of diving came into the game and was sort of largely went unpunished, yeah. you know, and, and VAR is kind of doing the same thing at the moment. It's like Declan Rice is completely unconscious, you know, the ball hitting his arm as he's making his way towards the other team's goal. That's punished. Uh, whereas people are going over in the box, much in the manner that Mark Noble went over against Bournemouth, uh, VIR then proves that there was contact and the cheater is vindicated. Well, the cheater is vindicated by the VAR, which some people watching the game remotely go, ah, there was contact. We were watching the game going, we know there was fucking contact, you bozos. It's a dive. The guy dived. But, but to follow on from that point, the other thing, I was thinking about this today, actually, there are, you remember Lanzini was banned for diving, right? Mm, yes. they, they brought in rules it, about re- retrospective well, bans. Well, I think there's been two. I think there was someone from Everton, right, I think. I can't okay. remember. But when was the last time anyone got banned for that? Yeah, yeah. No. And do we think that diving has been eradicated? Do we think that Harry Kane stays on his every time no. he gets in the book no, so there's the, again there's this sort of massive inconsistency yeah, yeah. about how rules are applied and I don't know what to do about diving and it's sort of because it's a white collar crime that they don't know they don't know what to do with it you know whereas they think they know what to do with uh, with a couple of players squaring up to oh no this must be yeah. this sets a bad example to our yeah, children yeah. a couple of guys shoving each other around is in fact perfectly acceptable because of the yeah. nature of the sport they're playing <laughs> the age they are uh, and the, the degree of motivation I, that they have. there's nothing, them on, yeah. nothing I, wrong I, with I that I think that's absolutely right I think football is a game that is fluid it's a game of intense passion it's always traditionally been officiate you know ruled on by a guy you know with the whistle who is in the thick of it and is feeling the, you know, and it, and we've often in the past sort of said, well, that was a good refereeing performance because he judged it right in terms of the passion and the way mm, the game mm. was going. He did, we often talk about yes, a referee yeah. losing control of the game, and the players was kind of respect those referees who kind of who, who are who have a feel, an intuitive feel for how the game is. And if you're going to pass responsibility from that person to someone sitting in a, like a booth, like someone flying a drone, you know, twenty mm, miles mm. away, who isn't hearing, you know, doesn't doesn't know you know you're judging you're trying to judge something about i don't know the the aggressive intent of a of a of a, of a red card tackle well you know if you're not there and you're not in that mm. heat of the bloody moment you know yeah uh, i'm not sure you necessarily can do it and slow it down it might look worse than it was it might look better than it was you know you've got to that it should only be there to stop really glaring bad 
errors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that you know that 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 would, would would cause an injustice, and it's not there to kind of micromanage the game and keep stopping it for things that don't you know didn't need don't need to be yeah, stopped. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody in football would have been bothered if that goal. Uh, um, well, apart from Sheffield United fans losing two points, but in a sense, you know, there was nothing wrong. With that, with that goal, a little bump against the hand. Yeah. He he uses some skill to to you know if he'd have kind of not been a, not played well after that bit of chance, you know, um, we wouldn't have had the chance to score the goal. It wasn't just the handball that created. Yeah, that it wasn't Thierry. It was also good play against by, Ireland by Declan well, Rice, no. and, and I that, that's if it was been the other taken way around. I, I think the yeah. three of us would be sitting here Absolutely. saying that's a ludicrous decision. I mean, I read quite. Yeah. Like, yeah, to be fair, I read some yeah. commentary on um, you know online from Sheffield United fans saying that's ridiculous. You know, we, they felt they deserved to win the game. Well, because you know that sometimes you could be on the receiving end of that, and well, I think they might have done. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. You know. We, we, you, the, the, there is a real danger that, that, that this, if it carries on the way it's going, that you are going to you're going to kill a lot of the passion that is uh, uh, and the and the sort of instant enjoyment of the moment that is in the game. Uh, you're going to sacrifice that for a mistaken notion of what you're trying to kind of kind of might get get every ruling exactly right that's that's not what it ever should have well, been well it feels about. that the pundits are sort of attacking it quite enthusiastically so that yeah. feels like yeah, that's a good it feels thing. like there's a yeah. sort of strong kickback yeah. against it and yeah. i think it's hopefully it will be kind of reassessed yeah. um yeah uh we'll take a little break now and we'll be back after this message Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back. Uh, Have we said everything there is to be said about VAR? I think we, well, I think we, we talked for about twenty-five minutes. For the time about VAR, being, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I suspect yeah. not actually. No, but no, you know, no, no, I yeah. think we've probably said everything that's reasonable to say tonight. Yeah. But it, um, you know, it, uh, Moyes has won two and lost one, and uh, and you know, Sheffield United are sort of flying at the moment. We went up there, and we, you know, we we sort of we deserved a draw probably, and we played well in spells of that game. And uh, so, um, as we say, there were difficult games yeah, coming up. Yeah. Uh, were you troubled a little bit after the game? Um, I was a little bit, I, I, I'm not quite sure what he came out with some slightly odd things. I thought after the game in his interview in which he said, we'd played really, really well. I'm really proud of the players. Couldn't ask anything more of them, all that kind of stuff. And we deserved, if not to win the game, at least getting something out of it. Now I did think that was, cloud cuckoo land really so was he doing that do you think to protect the players a bit and and i, I never put any stock of, in anything you know, that manager said i mean no. pellegrini never said anything of any interest in the entire time he was here nothing in any context at all he never said anything meaningful no no you know ferguson famously never um 
you know, criticise no. these players. Mm. Um, I suspect Moyes is probably looking at it like, I need to try and build confidence. I need yeah, to, that's, yeah. you know, build some sort of rapport with these guys, but also get them believing that we're moving in the right direction. So, I, I mean, I, as I say, I don't put much stock in it yeah. anyway, but I, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't, what he said was uh, crazy, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't as crazy or as irritating as Jamie Carragher's <laughs> constant, uh, thoroughly irritating uh, co-commentary in which he seemed to be depicting Sheffield United as this awesome... Uh, if it was like we were trying to play Real Madrid, and you yeah. know, he hates West Ham, doesn't he? He hates. He, he West seemed Ham. almost like annoyed on, like he'd had to give up his Friday night. He had big, he had bigger and better plans oh, than watching I West Ham play, which might well be him. true of all of us. I can't actually, stand him. I think you know, I, 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 uh, everybody should be given second chances and so on. But any, anyone who is the kind of person who winds down his window and spits at a child then that way. Mm. You're not a nice, but you can't, that's not nice. You're not, a, that's, you know, uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm amazed he's still got a job. Yes, he's a shit he seems pundit. like a dick. He's an absolutely shit. I think uh, in terms of building confidence, I think Moyes, uh, you know, the, Moyes inherited a sort of a dysfunctional team with some untalented footballers in it after Billich. Now he has a team that, again, it's unbalanced, but there are a couple of players in it who are a little bit stripped of confidence. Allaire and Anderson would be the two that sort of jump out at me. And I think that's a sort of important, that's an important difference between this time and last time is that there are, you know, certainly those two players are really capable of sort of putting on a show, you know, playing well, some really good football. Ale would be he, this sort of turnaround, the, the equivalent of Arnautovic, who, if you remember at the time, was sort of being booed and, mm. you know, he got sent off, hadn't he, at, um, mm. at yeah. Southampton yeah, on his first yeah, or second yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Had done nothing to justify his tag, yeah. but was being played in a wide left position and was completely yeah. ineffective. And as I say, once he sort of brought him into the centre forward position, gave him no defensive responsibilities at all. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he grew in confidence. He has to do something similar with Alaire. I mean, Alaire was one of the best forwards, most highly sort of sought after yeah, forwards yeah. in Europe last year, but playing yeah. in a totally different system than I, anything Pellegrini ever. I think put him one in. problem with that is, I mean, we 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 we've repeatedly talked about the odd transfer policy and the problems that we have in central midfield that have been yeah. going on for some while. Um, but I also think, you know, looking at it objectively now, we've got a problem at the top end of the team as well because they've invested a lot of money to bring in, as you say, a top, top-class striker. And he must essentially be that, I think. And he looked yes. it when he came in, even though we lost to that Man City badly, he looked a player in, yeah, that, yeah. in that first half against Man City. Um, uh, and the confidence has all drained away. But the problem is you can't rotate him out of the side. If, with with, with An- Antonio injured, Ajeti looks like a National League player. He didn't even get on I the think, bench, did he? I, I think Friday, he'd be yeah. better off by you know, bringing off that, that guy who plays up front for Bromley. You know, he'd be better. He'd do a better job than, uh, than Ajeti. He just doesn't look like a no. top-level player to me. Um, and, he's, and, and managers seem to be you know, looking at him and thinking, no, you're not, because you're not going you know, to get a kick. We've got Jordan Hugel on loan. Um, apart from that, we don't, see, we don't seem to have anyone... Um, They're and, an yeah, injury you know, to you know, there away you know, from absolute uh, disaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what is going to happen if that if he gets crocked in the next game? Yeah. 
well, it, worst case scenario, we don't do anything about that situation, and he gets crocked in the first game in February. We are down. I mean, I, you know, we are in real trouble. If well, that, that would be very 2003, you know, me and Pierce yeah. up front and mm, all that kind yeah, of stuff. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, you're right. I mean, they would have, I suppose they'd have to you play know. a Jetty, who in the entire time he's been here has never done a single thing to convince doesn't me that he has any like ability. He, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be, I mean, Lucas Perez doesn't even get involved in the game. Mm. Yes, and, yeah. and, you know, yeah, right. absolutely. He, he well, scored know, quite a few key goals. Some goals. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, Antonio is not actually a striker. Uh, you know, there, 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 well, he's a permacroc. I mean, yeah. he's played nine games, I think, this season or something, yeah, yeah. isn't it? I mean, but I think he know. was, I mean, I thought at Southampton he was absolutely brilliant. He was you amazing. Know, he yeah, does have that sort of ability, doesn't he, to impact games. he's terrific. But I agree. I mean, I think he's body but he's a kind of wide, you know, he's a it. sort of wide player. He's not a, he's sort of, you know, I think he's, um, to put your sort of, all of your goal scoring eggs in an Antonio shaped basket is like, he's going to miss a lot oh. of sitters. I mean, I think he is a better centre forward than he is wide player at this point, but I agree he's too inconsistent a finisher. So yeah. when he plays well, he is absolutely fantastic, but... He's, you know, in terms one, of finishing, one, he's not goal, physical. one goal this season, um, uh, and two disallowed for accidental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ball. Yeah. Although I think one of them was deliberate out ball. But um, you know. so we have a we, there. The transfer window is uh, well and truly open now, and mm. we have uh, so far secured the services of Darren Randolph, uh, who's already played for us. So the um, Joe Allen rumours don't go away, do they? So presumably no. that is heading toward. I mean, is that going to happen? There was that. So you know, the the guy that's now gone to Spurs, the Portuguese. Uh, you know that that um you know a lot of people are furious about that and will, there will doubtless be fury that we have somehow dropped the ball why didn't we get him i think his agent was probably just agitating for him to you know just uh fishing around in the premier league so set up a kind yeah, of west ham rumor completely. as a sort of magnet for other teams other bigger richer teams to come in for him you well, know lots of people lost their shit when ian Ache didn't sign yeah and you know I mean, he's done okay this season but he's had a couple of lost seasons on the bench at leicester you know yeah not everyone you, sometimes the ones you don't get uh, that's fine there's a reason you didn't get them yeah. yeah and I mean I would question anyway whether or not Fernandes was the type of player that we needed I, I, I don't know a lot about him I've never seen him no, play but he's, he's very sort of, young uh, he's very young uh, you know, he's, he's not going to come in and turn your team around I mean I think I think for a lot of teams he's a, the, the, the idea is he's a little bit one for the future and well I think there's a question about whether he even fits with Spurs yeah. he's an attacking midfielder Spurs like us need deeper lying players who can mm. do something on both sides of the ball so I kind of thought it was a bit of a weird signing for them too, not that I really care. But, yeah. you know, I would argue in our current situation that Joe Allen might be more of more use, even though I do not think we should be signing Joe Allen. No. He is at least better than both Sanchez and Wilshere. Well, he would be better than nothing. Yes. I mean, that's, you can Which say Which is what that. Sanchez and Wilshere are. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's experienced, he runs around a lot. You know, he's not, he's not bad on the ball, but... Yeah, obviously, in ideal circumstances, is not the signing we should be com- contemplating. But if if it's either him or nothing else coming into midfield, I think you would take him. And, but I mean, it's a, it's Hobson's choice in a, in a way. Well, it? I think it reflects the complete lack of infrastructure within the club, right? You know, yeah. they they rely so heavily upon agents that there's no planning for this kind of stuff. And Pellegrini, you know whatever you may think of him, I think he was coasting in, in this sort of area. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, the, there was jo- his, his son was working there. Husilos was his mate. Husilos' son was, I think, the chief scout, you know, in inverted yeah. commas. You know, and I don't think they'd laid any foundations. Plus also, Moyes is a completely different type of manager, so wouldn't want the same players as Pellegrini. So we're just not 
you know, another transfer window has arrived where we're not prepared for it. No, it's no. pretty evident to me. They don't really know what they want or how they're going to get them, and it's another one where we're going to stumble through to the summer and then hope to reassess. And my one hope is that Moyes does have a bit of vision around yeah, what he wants yeah. the club to look like. Yeah, um, we uh, w- in this window we could probably do with. Uh, some kind of other striker we could probably do with a sort of a pace player as well and we could ideally do with a sort of battling midfielder but there aren't many there aren't sort of many of those around you know and uh, most teams have got them I mean Liverpool you know Liverpool sort of rotate that engine room quite a lot with players that you wouldn't necessarily say are sort of like um absolute midfield dynamos you know it's quite often sort of Jordan Henderson is in this in in their midfield they've got a front three so they're sort of playing a kind of four three three aren't they and uh, um <clears throat> the guys that play behind you know that Cater guy that they bought that was sort of seemed to be like a kind of Kante type didn't play every week no. you know he's, he's rotated out of the team comes in sometimes comes in other times you know they're they're sort of Henderson, one Elden, yeah, and we don't seem to be producing them in any of any any level, really, do we? You know, the 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 two sort of central midfielders that seem to sort of come through and look like they're going to have careers in football anyway, uh, Coventry and um, Cullen, and they're both pine pots, aren't they? I mean, they're both they're both you know Mark Noble, yeah, and Joe uh, Powell has gone today to Burton, who's another one who, yeah, yeah. I mean, the under twenty three team are. Like, they are doing very well. Fantastic. Yeah. Although year, yeah. it's been sort of loaned, a lot of it's been loaned out now, hasn't it? Uh, yes, or, the, or gone, they've gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. yeah. So they'll probably fall away yeah. now, you would think. Yeah. But yeah. yes, you're right. Trends, I mean, the academy generally in the last few years, if you take Rice away, they've produced essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. The guy who's running it seems to seems to be doing a reasonable job, though. I've forgotten what his name is now, off the top of my head. But, mm. um, uh, the new, well, it was yeah. Wesley, but he's gone, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. a guy who runs the under 23. Yeah, yeah, that's Croatian, Croatian, is he? Yeah, I think yeah, it's Croatian. Yeah, he yeah. seems to be doing a decent job. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the, you can't argue with the results. They've been yeah. winning a lot, but it's the jump from under twenty three football to first, which is difficult. Yeah, but Holland has, has been touted all along, hasn't he? He was a kind of you yes, know, much yeah. touted steal from Everton, wasn't he? And and whenever you've seen him, he you know, scores spectacular goals. Yeah, well, and Dean Garner actually haven't mentioned him, but he's been yeah. setting the world on fire, hasn't yeah, he, for yeah, West Brom? Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, but That's, again, I mean, they're, they're wide attacking players of which we've got yeah, plenty. It's not what you want. You know, mm. we, we, as um, you say, and what's we happened to Yarmolenko? I mean, uh, I thought when he came back this season, he looked decent. There's Some sort of injury. I mean, he hasn't been on the bench, has he? I he's mean, got he's injured. Yeah, he's injured. So. Which is sort of the problem. But, when but he'd him. come back. He was. I don't know whether he was carrying that injury, but he'd started pretty well. He'd scored that goal early, early on in the season. You know, and ran across to the medical team and everything, and. Um, look, was looking good, was doing well at Ukraine, and then it was inexplicably dropped for that Everton game away. Um, I don't think he's a Moyes type of player, so I wouldn't no. be. There's rumours that he might, might be going. Him. He might go. Besiktas apparently yeah. has been offered to. So yeah. I just don't know where he would play in a Moyes team. But um, yeah, again, I think he's injured. So uh, you know, at the moment, it's probably a bit of a uh, you know non-decision. But I reckon he might leave. Yeah. Yeah, there's no no one jumps out particularly. I mean, obviously, the, the reason the Joe Allen rumor persists for so long is that there are no other <laughs> rumors. There was that, you know, there was the Portuguese guy who's now gone to Spurs, but that that uh, you know d- d- didn't really. I didn't think that that would happen. I think it, I think it, it was a bit of an a bit agent. It's a bit it, yeah. agent machinations, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we could definitely do with bringing some people in, but we are in a position also of sort of trying to get one or two other people to 
play better, you know, sort of Allaire and uh, um, Anderson in particular. So finding a system in which those people work. A, a pace player would be very handy because we, have, we do have sort of players that can play wide, but they're not quick. You know, Snodgrass and Fournals are not sort of quick. Um, no. But no. we could, and we could. The pace is Anderson really on the yeah. break, and Alaire is yeah. 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 if he plays. Yeah, three yeah. Of them. but I, I struggle. I'm not sure I see all three of them playing together in a Moyes team. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. No, but, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the the biggest improvement they're going to get this window is is Moyes sorting some of them out. Yeah, and yeah. getting some players finding back. a system that works. I mean, yeah. you know, clearly, clearly, three at the back was something. F- f- even the most casual observer of football's strategy was was seeing as something Pellegrini could at least try and he didn't um, and, yeah. and you know um he got very close to playing four four two, and in fact did play it once or twice and, and there was a marked improvement every time yeah. he played it but then he yeah. went back to one up front on his own again yeah. uh, the next game I'm that. hoping he will get a better tune out of Lanzini because I think Lanzini is a feels like a shadow of the player he was a couple of years ago to me um, bad injuries he's lost he's but he's lost him, that yeah. little little nip of pace over a short distance that he used to have now that yeah. might be something that is just due to coming back from these um, injuries or it might be something that's now permanently the case and that, that does make a difference for him it does um, ACL injuries it's hard he, to you know, come back from yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think um, and that might be just confidence or it might be you know something that is physiological um, so I hope that. I also think he possibly is, hopefully, is he going to do something to make Diop better? Because I think Diop has gone slightly backwards. Um, and I, you know, there's been rumours about money coming in for him, hasn't there? Mm. Well, do you I, know, honestly, if somebody to... offers 50 million for Diop, I would be tempted to take it because I'm not sure he's going to be the complete centre half. Well, I'm not um, sure he's going to. Moyes doesn't fancy him, right? He hasn't. Oh, he didn't right. play him on um, right. on Saturday. But he played Cresswell yeah. for the reasons we were yeah. saying before. Yeah. You know, I think he needs yeah. a passer in yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but he played Balbrainer on the other side, yeah. who then you know promptly put <laughs> cement in his boots at half time yeah. and gave that goal away. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. You know, Diop has the kind of profile you want. He's young. Yes, they bought him. They spent money on him. Signing. Yeah, but he has that growth, doesn't he? you know? But, that but I to, felt he. Yeah, I just felt under Pellegrini, he didn't, he didn't improve. He but I, yeah, and I would lay that at Pellegrini's yeah, door as much yeah. as anyone because Pellegrini seemed to spend no time whatsoever focusing on on uh, yeah. the defensive I've side. I've never of the game. seen a footballer so tall be so <laughs> utterly shit in the air. I mean, he really is, as he can't win mm. a header to save his life. Yeah. yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, something James Collins said about uh, uh, Moyes is that the training was great. The training sessions were great. He said that he worked on set pieces, set, you know, reserved a bit of, you know, at least the week, if not every day, and working on set pieces and stuff like that. Need, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, just disciplined drills to uh, involve your central defenders in either going up for a header uh, if you get a corner or defending a corner if the other team gets it. You know, help to sort of shape your overall discipline as a footballer. If it's just like, you know, you arrive, have some good games, and then basically every game after that you just get a pat on the bum from the coach going, go out there, son, and express yeah. yourself. Diop's like 23, still probably needs some more coaching, you know, still needs some more advice and help. For sure, and, yeah. you know, and I think... Um, uh, you know, from from the sound of it, you know, Moyes' uh, sessions are structured, and there's a kind of there's there is a sort of what are we trying to achieve aspect to them, rather than a just let's just go out and practice 
yes until two o'clock and then go home well i mean the the when Moyes was let go last time, I felt he should have been given more consideration. And the reason behind that was I felt he had demonstrated he had a, the ability to sort of conceive and implement a vision. Mm. And that's not just the vision of how you play, although I think that was a big part of it, but also the, the club itself. And, you know, we don't have a director of football because Sullivan either doesn't want to yield that power to someone else or he doesn't really understand it. Hasilos was wasn't a director of football in, no. in a meaningful sense. He was Pellegrini's personal agent, effectively, as far as I can tell. So, actually, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I quite like Moise's appointment is that he is a manager who seems to understand that the club's infrastructure is very important, and mm, therefore, mm. you know, we saw at Everton, albeit it's a decade ago, but he did try and implement that kind of stuff, and he did try and put processes in place for purchasing players and yeah, yeah. having a sort of future state in mind when he was developing the team and the youth team and all that kind of stuff. So if he can survive or if we can survive this season, which I do think is a bit of an if, I I have some hope that he might try and implement some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sort of almost in spite of Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, because we desperately need that. We, we are, um, you know, contrary to how most teams are run, we are still pretty old-fashioned in the way we approach Yeah, it. yeah. And I think, I think a manager does, to a degree, have to kind of, uh, you know, move the chairman around a bit, you know, get them to do their willing in, in that sort of, you know, in a kind of... Uh, um, that kind of psychological way of making someone think that they've had an idea, you know, it's like... Yeah, yes. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talking of the chairman, we probably should at least mention the fact that there is a, a return to protest. There is a protest uh, yes, planned true, for yeah. the game on uh, on Saturday. A static protest is not, uh, not a march. Uh, time. Yeah. Do you know much about that, James? Or not, no? So it's, it's organised by a group called Hammers United, um, who I think probably would admit they've been looking I think to try and get dialogue with the club and been rebuffed same with the Independent Supporters Association um, because the club have this sort of um, official supporters board which is essentially a um, a, a, a sham Um, so Hamish United I think I've been trying to 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 get in dialogue with them failed The, the, the issue I have with it I wish them every success actually because I think we've reached a point where you know, a decade of Sullivan and Gold's ownership has moved us from 17th in the league table to 16th or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, um, and we now have no um, stadium. My problem with it is, like, there's, to me at least, they haven't clearly articulated what their aim is. Mm. So I think it's fine to protest and say we are unhappy with the state of things. Yeah. But I think you need to have some sort of vision of what you then subsequently want. I believe what they want is for Gold and Sullivan to sell. Yes. Uh, you know, so fine. You know, I'm, I'm not, Disagreeing with that, but as I wrote the, recently, the thrust article, of that article was that we've all got to just be patient and wait for that. that yes, they're, that, that, that they're going to do it, but they're not going to do it until they don't get financially correct. Twenty twenty three. I mean, I don't have that as fact, but my opinion no. as, as having yeah. looked at it and studied yeah. what's going on with the account. Twenty twenty three is when they can sell without giving yeah. funds back to the public purse. Therefore, they're not going to do it before then. No. But it looks to me like they're clearing the books financially in such a way that the asset, or sorry, the the um, the balance sheet will be very healthy for any buyer who comes in, which is all, by the way, to do with the television money. It's nothing particularly to do with any commercial genius on uh, Karen Brady's behalf. No. Um, you know, but they are sort of setting the, the stage for that. The asset of uh, the stadium has been sold. Um, so they've got the ideal scenario now as owners where they're just paying £2 million a year to sort of rent, yeah, uh, rent yeah. something. Anytime fans want to protest about that, they just sort of shrug their shoulders and say, well, you need to speak to the mayor. 
you know, so they're in a yeah. good position to sell, but for us as fans, it's a sort of weird purgatory because they're not going to invest in things like a training ground, which is the thing I keep coming back to. Yeah. That was the canary in the coal mine when they just did that bodge job over at Rush Green and, you know, stuck a couple of port cabins in yeah, and yeah. painted it, you know, while Southampton, Leicester, Brighton were spending yeah. £60, £100 million on their training facilities. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was it. And the reason that the, the owners are not going to invest in something like that is because if you commit to that sort of capital expenditure, that de- it's de- not a sale decreases the value. Whereas yeah. players are. Mm. Correct, mm. Yeah. yeah. So you, if, if the new owners come in and don't want Sebastian Allaire, they can sell him. Yes. If they come in and they don't want to spend money on a training ground, they, they, they can't do anything about that because they're no. already committed to yeah. it. So that's the problem. We should uh, probably wrap this up and uh, look uh, forward to, to the Everton game yes. at the weekend. Everton have a new manager. Um, you know, there's a sort of a, a little bit of a, a waves of discontent about sort of uh, Ancelotti's appointment at Everton somehow showing a lack of kind of ambition on, on our part. And I mean, I have to say... Surely that's what Pellegrini was. Was, yeah, yeah. was, yeah, yeah. was that ambition? It's like I, I wasn't, you know, I, you know, I'm not a, the biggest fan of, of the board, but I, I, I don't think that. Uh, again, I think it is slightly this sort of um, prejudice towards English managers thinking that they are they're all sort of a bit doer and workmanlike, so that basically you would you would bracket Moyes with Pulis and Allardyce, and you so know, I don't think he's particularly no accurate. i don't yeah. think i don't yeah. think that's accurate so so you know the the notion that ancelotti would sort of come in and transform a struggling team is uh, pretty errant i think and uh, i i'm i i would not necessarily been a huge advocate for us getting ancelotti for example i agree um, i'm not yeah. i mean i'm not sure everton fans necessarily think he's quite the right, right. guy for them you no, know it's oh, quite, interesting it's quite interesting. a pragmatic sort of manager who you I'm not sure you'd get him in in this circumstance where they need to rebuild. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, a bit I'm, like us, they've spent yeah, the wasted yeah. shed loads. Well, of yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, so the, the game up there was a massive disappointment, wasn't it? Because it came. It was just after the international break. Uh, we we were still in a position where a couple of wins would put us in kind of contention yeah. for a European mm. place. They were in disarray, really, um, and uh, we absolutely just turned up as if we just had to stroll around yeah. like a training game, you know. Mm. And they played with some intensity for probably the first time ever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that season, season. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we were badly beaten, I thought. Um, so I think we just have to, we have to, we have to flip that, and we have to play with intensity. We have to play with with aggression and, and intensity. So I'm hoping. I think, you know, it's the kind of game where, you know, Snodgrass will get stuck in. I'd like to mm. see Fornals involved because I think he's got energy and yeah. and gets yeah. stuck in. You know, it, it's it's a roll your sleeves up, yeah. grind out an ugly win kind of game. But I think, you know, the the result is absolutely everything. On yeah, yeah. I'm not bothered. <laughs> I don't care if it bounces in off someone's arse in the 95th minute. We have to win this game. We have players. They they have players. We have to keep quiet. And I hope the Charleston crowd... and Calvert yeah. Lewin yeah. have to be kept yeah. quiet in that yeah. game. Yes. And uh, so you know Theo yeah. Walcott as well. Yeah, you know they've got dangerous players. They're 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 a pretty good outfit. Um, you know. And my one slight over the protest thing is, we need a crowd that's up for it as well. As, as well, it needs to be a bit like that Leicester game. 
Yes. Um, well, I think in the defence of the guys organising this, um, their kind of view is very much this all happens before the game, away from the stadium. Then you get in the mm. ground and you and, and you support Moyes in the team. Yeah. So it might yeah. galvanise fans. I mean, you yeah. know, I have yeah. no might, real, might, might, I have no be, real yeah. sense of how many no. people are going to go or whatever. No. We should also say, by the way, there's a food bank um, being operated as well. Oh, I right, think okay. on the one of the con- the main concourse in the lead up to uh, to okay. the stadium. Okay. So right. if uh, any of the listeners to this have sort of spare stuff that could uh, be given over yeah, that'd be good um, oh that's good that would be that would be yeah, yeah. appreciated I'm sure I wonder where it is I think it's as you I'm trying to remember they did they did it at the last home game which I can't remember what that was um, but anyway um, it was it was on the right hand side as you walked up the main sort of um, concourse leading right. up to the stadium right, where yeah. the big um, yeah. uh, screen is and everything yeah, yeah. so it's sort of yeah. way back from the security but yeah. just on the right hand side yes yeah. so, so yeah. some stuff for that yeah yeah Excellent. Okay. So what do we think? Um, predictions? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to tempt, I don't want to kind of jinx it. Um, but I, I think it's so important. We have to win it. I think we'll win it, win it by, it's going to be a 1-0 win. 1-0. James? Uh, I think it will be 1-0. 1-0. I think, but I wouldn't, I, it's completely take your point, we do need to win, but there's also some sort of building block stuff that needs to happen as well. I'd probably take a good performance in a one all mm, mm. move on 4-1 I'm going to say I'm going to say we win it 4-1 <laughs> there you go good so uh, get down the bookies 4-1 it's a jetty yes of course uh, and a Randolph goal kick yeah. uh, goes straight through um, excellent alright uh, well this has been Stop Hammer Time my name's Phil Whelans and with me this week have been Jim Grant cheerio and James Cairns good night come on you irons This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.